Episode 19, A Journalistic Point of View. I recently had a conversation with my classmate and colleague, Obed. As you'll hear from him, Obed is a Haitian journalist who was in grad school to further his education and knowledge so that he can return to the field a better journalist. My name is Obed Lamy. I am from Haiti. I've been living in Fayetteville, Arkansas for a year now. I am doing a master in journalism at the University of Arkansas. I've been working in my country as a journalist for the past, I would say, four years. I did my undergrad in communication and business management, but I'm not very, I'm not a money guy. So I always preferred being connected to people through journalism. That's why I choose to start or to do my career in journalism. So I get a chance to meet people in different walks of life. I love to get connected with people. I grew up um, in a family of six person, my dad and my mom plus three sisters. And also in my neighborhood, I used to hang out with a lot of kids like me. In my school, I used to be in big classrooms, so I really feel I am in my element when I'm having a conversation like now <laughs> with someone. And also, I found that doing journalism is also a way for me to give a voice to people who are marginalized in society. I feel very useful when I tell the story of a person who otherwise would have never been able to reach a large audience with his or her story. So that's a way for me to empower um, marginalized people, I would say. Tell me a little bit about what it's like being a journalist in Haiti compared to being a journalist in America. I would say the first difference or the first thing about doing or being a journalist in my country, I guess the media in my country, they focus much more on politics. You have whether it's newspaper or television or now we have a lot of online um, news organization. They focus much more on reporting things going on in the political sphere. So whether it's election, whether it's, I mean, opinion of politicians trying to influence the public opinion. It's really difficult to be a journalist because people, they don't really consider journalists as a career itself in my country compared to other um, fields like um, being a doctor, being an um, accountant or something else. So for me, it was very difficult or it was a challenge when it was time to decide what to do or what to study because you can tell your parents, I want to be a journalist because, I mean, anyone can be a journalist. You just show up in a radio station or in a TV station and you can talk about what you want or you can just repeat or report what's going on, whether it's a protest, whether it's, it's an election day. So it's easy. So for me, spending four years in college or uh, having a degree and deciding to to be a journalist that was a little bit challenging i would also say in haiti we don't have too much i would say specialization like in the u.s or if i consider the new york times it's amazing you have a journalist covering race you have a journalist covering school or education so we don't have that thing in my country because we don't have too much journalists or we don't have enough oppor not opportunity i would say news organization in my country that ca they can't hire 
they can't sustain that big of a exactly yeah. it it requires big staff lots of logistics so we don't have that in my country as a journalist in my country i can today i can cover a music event and tomorrow i cover the protest and another day i cover a sport event it's a mix i mean you have to do everything as a journalist obed came to the university of arkansas through the fulbright scholarship which was founded by former Arkansas Senator William Fulbright. Students from outside the U.S. can apply for the scholarship to study here in America. As a Fulbrighter, Obed is part of a unique community of students, not just here in Fayetteville. Last January, I had a chance to go to a seminar held by the Fulbright program where I got a chance to meet about more than 100 Fulbright scholars from different countries and different backgrounds. And also here, there is uh, a Fulbright organization at the University of Arkansas. I am also a part of a Fulbright, another Fulbright organization, which is called Fulbright Noir. So it's a group of Fulbrighters who are black, black mm. like me. So it's a really interesting family or it's a really interesting group to be in because, I mean, it's a prestigious scholarship, but also the network is really solid. Uh, you talked about being part of the, the even smaller group of Fulbrighters who are black. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been interacting with them? When they talk about being black, what has that experience been for you, for, for those people who are a part of that group, and how are they experiencing that here in the United States? Um, it's really interesting for me whenever it's come to talk about race or blackness or black in America because I have a very different perspective or different experience. So to answer exactly your question, my interaction in the group is more me listening to these fellow Fulbrighters because they are all American. I am the only Haitian person. So my experience as a black Haitian is really different from any other black in America because, first of all, I don't know very much this country. I have to listen. This is my world also as a journalist. I have to listen first to know their experience and to understand this society. We do have some common I would say experience because, I mean, as a black in America, when I am on the street or in the grocery store, I mean, nobody knows I am from Haiti. I am still a black person. I have to adjust myself as any other black man in America. For example, when I see a police officer, I'm a little bit afraid. So, yeah. So their experience is really interesting because I, I, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm talking about this group because they are trying to foster diversity in the program because I was very um, surprised when I was in that seminar in Utah last January because we were about, I said we were about 130 Fulbrighters, but only less than 10 black mm. so Fulbrighters. So that was really an eye-opening for me. I was like, oh, we don't have that much diversity in this program. And I think it's a problem. It's a problem because, yes, I can relate. I can work with different people of different backgrounds. But I guess it's really important for someone to see people who look like you. And we also know that not having a lot of black people is a problem because black students or from maybe different country or in even more in the U.S., they have less opportunity. So to me, when it's come to talk about black or to look at the experience of black in America, it's, it's talking about opportunity. 
you and I have talked about this in our classes before, this idea of media framing and this this thought that as journalists and as people who report news, it's really up to us in a lot of ways to take on that ownership of making sure that when we're showing something to people that we are showing different kinds of people doing those sorts of things. When you look at media outside of America, is that a similar problem that you're seeing worldwide where the media is not necessarily framing groups of people or races of people as being on the same level? Does that make sense? Yes, because when it's come to portray or to tell the experience of marginalized people, we do need media to pay more attention to this group of people because one of the main role of media is to give a voice to voiceless people. But it can be harmful the way you portray a marginalized community or group. And it's a problem everywhere, not only in America, like I said, it's also a problem in France, in Canada. And it's not only about black community, you can take any issue, whether it's LGBTQ community, whether it's disabled people, whether it's some developing countries, like countries in Africa or my country, Haiti. So you would see there is a lot more coverage about my country when there is a problem, when there is a protest, when there is um, trouble in our elections. But in my country, we have a daily life where we enjoy music, where we enjoy good food, where we, we have very good students in my country. We have outstanding young people doing things with nothing in my country. So we would like that those stories are told in media. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some personal experiences you've had where you have seen, whether it's microaggressions, whether it's blatant racism maybe it's implicit racism just in your experience here in america have you experienced any of that yourself first of all i would say before it's a joke but it's true before i came here i haven't known that i am a black person because i am from haiti and this is a country where the vast majority of the population is black so race is not a discussion we have every day so it's not really a thing that we would discuss every day in my country compared to the u.s where you know you are a black I knew I am a black when I first came here because that was my first time I have been in an environment where the majority of people are white. So Fayetteville or Arkansas is a very uh, is a predominantly white place in America. Before I came here, I have a, a friend of mine. She's in uh, Florida. She's been living here for a very long time. Oh, she said, "Oh, you are moving in in Arkansas. It's a very racist um, place in America." I was like, "That's okay because I am someone who is really curious. So I want to learn. I like adventure. So I was not afraid about the word racist because I have never. I would say." I have never faced that in my life. So, but being here, the more I spend time with people, the more I listen to people, I have learned that black or race is a big issue. So, um, my experience is a little bit, sometimes I'm trying to not be very aware because I want to enjoy that moment in the U.S. as an international student or I would say as a tourist because I don't want to think that every day is challenging for a black. I don't want to live this life in America as a student because my experience would have been very terrible. I would say the little thing 
I've been facing as a black in America is, for example, when I see the po a police car, I am afraid because um, I know that they don't treat black people the same way as white people. If I have to move from my apartment to the store, which is, I would say, 10 minutes biking, I can't go with a short pant because... <laughs> I, I dress up everywhere I have to go. I say that that's the first way, that's the main way I can make a first impression because I am a black. Um, so you try to dress more professional? Exactly. I try to dress more professional because I guess people can see you differently, the way you dress up. Yeah, I've been facing some little thing that sometimes I don't pay too much attention. You can meet someone and in the car, in the bus, and they say, oh, you smell very good. And they insist saying that to me, it's problematic because I guess you don't know me. It can be a compliment. It can be a nice, it can be a way that this person wants to be nice to you. But if you don't know me, I'm not sure how can you insist to say you smell good, smell good. So to me, it's a microaggression because I guess they would never say some say same thing to a white person who say who smell good because there is an assumption that as a black person you don't necessarily smell good or i was i remember in the mall and i i was trying to catch the bus and you know there is a huge parking lot there and that woman was sitting in her car and just seeing me coming she closed the door mm. <laughs> Um, I was the only person and it was daylight. So to me, that was a little bit shocking because I don't know. Um, I'm trying to make the balance, not seeing everything as a microaggression or as a racist behavior. But I know they, there are some behaviors that a group of people would, would have when they are interacting with black people, which is really different when it's come to interact with uh, white people. I try to see those issues as a journalist most of the time. In his first year of grad school, Obed began working on a documentary featuring an African-American student in the School of Music. This student is an incredibly talented student, but he did not grow up in a wealthy community that afforded him opportunities to study classical music or take years of vocal lessons. When I came here, I saw there are little diversity on campus so through the documentary i had to do an interview with a music professor on campus because he knew he knows the guy and he knows the music department one thing he said which is really interesting is that because of the guy what they have done to change this situation is not only to enroll more black students but also to change the audition process because what happens is that Black students or black kids in America, they grew up with a different music literacy compared to white kids. They can play trumpets and piano lessons. They can have piano lessons. It's more like professionally and classically trained. Exactly. And the um, music department is designed to those kids because the audition process is more about classical music. And when you have this guy coming from Memphis who has been involved or 
listening to blues and jazz and like African-American music. So when he comes to a university where the lessons or the audition process is more about classical music from the European culture, the system is more favorable for white students. So this, this is something they had to change. Well, that's interesting because because the school is recognizing that. Exactly. Right? And and they're saying that like we are missing out on incredibly talented people who didn't have the same opportunities and the same extracurricular activities that exactly. these students had. Exactly. Just because they are black, just because they grew up in black neighborhood where they don't access these opportunities. So this is so to make such changes, you need to have conversation, you need to have people open mind you and you do need to have people in leadership position who are black or who have this experience because this professor he is black so i'm not saying that white people they are just they just most of the time don't know if you don't know the experience you can't change or you can work to to make it better or to change it Oh, talk a little bit about your thesis work. Oh, yeah. Um, my thesis is about the Netflix series, When They See Us. So the context is, before I came here, so I've, I've been working as a journalist, but I've not, very, I've not been very aware about, about black community or black people. So when I came here, like I said, I was trying to educate myself, not exactly about black issues, but mostly about black experience in America. So I have been listening to podcasts and watching documentaries and read books and news articles. And then I found this Netflix series, which is um, When They See Us, uh, the story of five black and Latino boys who were wrongfully convicted for raping a white woman in Central Park, New York. I watched this documentary and was really moved and shocked and I even cried also. And I have been following the conversation on Twitter, many hashtags and some trying to backlash or to cancel some people or leaders who were involved in this trial. And when I had to do or to start working on my thesis, I knew that I want to work about documentary because I have been taking documentary class for two semesters. I'm very interested in documentary, making documentary, but also in conversation and impact of documentaries. So that was my first thing. Social justice documentary is, is a thing that I am really passionate about. I found that going through the conversation on Twitter or on social media fooled by this documentary is something that can be very interesting. So my thesis will try to look at the conversation going on on social media about generated by this documentary to see how the topic of criminal justice in America is framed. How do people reflect on criminal justice in America? And to me, it's a way to assess the impact of documentary because most of the time when it's come to study or to examine the impact of documentaries, they look at how many people, how many viewers what has changed in terms of policies and that involves most of the time 
people who are making documentaries, activists and institutions working on those issues. And the public, I guess, has also a power in pushing forward this conversation. And that's what I have seen uh, so far on Twitter about this documentary. So I am very excited to do this work to see how a documentary on social justice can be a catalyst for conversation. And one thing which is interesting about when they see us in the hashtags and the conversation, it's been ongoing for a year now and to me this is something really interesting or oh, i'm not saying it's new but most of the time when there is um, a new film a new music there is just an hashtag tw trending on twitter and it lasts for two weeks and months but for this documentary it's been ongoing for a year now and even though the context is really relevant right now and most yeah. much lots of people are trying to watch films about um, black history or black black communities in america so so many people are watching this right now but it's been ongoing on twitter or in or on other social media for so long Thank you, Obed, for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know if it's good. So. <laughs> if you have an extra minute, it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode up on Wednesday. <laughs>